0: Genesis 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Walking Through the Book, I'm Stephen McCreary And I'm Brian Bales And today we'd like to talk with you about the Bible Specifically we want to discuss Genesis 39 Walking Through the Book is all about these three things We want to encourage Bible reading We want to demonstrate proper and responsible study of the Bible And we want to emphasize what the text says No more and no less We're so thankful for you taking the time to listen today Uh, Believe it or not, Brian and I are in the same place At the same uh, coffee house We are and uh, not that we're at coffee houses Typically when we record But usually Bryant is far far away In the far off land of Savannah And I'm in the uh, Remote area of Columbus, Mississippi But uh, we both happen to be In Columbus, Mississippi So we just decided hey let's break out the mic Let's uh, test uh, some new equipment here And let's see what happens Yes <laughs> Yes yes uh, So That's what we're doing Yeah we are doing these things So um uh, today we are going to go over uh, Genesis thirty nine, continuing the story of Joseph. You know, last episode it really was much more about Judah, uh, with that sort of inner, inner, uh intermediary story, you might say, in uh, chapter thirty eight. And now we continue on the, uh, the 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 story of Joseph. And uh, but before we start, we do want to let you know how to get in touch with us. You can reach us through Facebook. If you search at Walking Through the Book, you'll find us there. Also, you can email us at walkingthroughthebook at protonmail.com Also, you can check out the website this podcast is hosted through northcolumbuschristians.com That's the website of the congregation that I work with in Columbus, Mississippi the North Columbus Church of Christ and Bryant, you've got a meeting going on with us this week uh, mm-hmm. it, not really much to say about that because this, by the time this comes out, that'll be mm-hmm. uh, over, uh, unfortunately, but uh, I do want to share that you know I'm, I'm enjoying the time with you and I know everybody else is enjoying the time with you there, and uh, so why don't you let everybody know how to get in touch with you and
0: kind of what you do? So I uh, work as an evangelist in Savannah, Georgia, as uh, Stephen said, if this is your first time listening, and the church, where the church meets is 4506 Augusta Road uh, in Garden City, which is actually just right outside downtown Savannah. And so if you're in the area, we encourage you to uh, visit us sometime. We'd love to see you um, if you're passing through or want to vacation over that way. And uh, you can find us, uh, our website is GardenCityCOC.org. Uh, and our Facebook page, you just look up the Garden City Church of Christ and you'll find us on Facebook. And if you'd like to find me on Facebook, um, you just look up Bryant Bales and I should just pop right on up. Uh, what we do when we do um, our podcast is we just read through the text, which is what we were just about to do. And after reading, we just make some uh, just initial observations, anything that might just stick out to us immediately from the text uh, that we may take a, talk about for a few minutes. And then we try to talk about themes as well, anything that seems to relate to the story of Genesis or the themes in Genesis, the Old Testament, or just even how things connect to Jesus and the Church and the New Testament. And we always try to conclude looking at uh, applications that we can make from the, the things that we're reading and studying as well. So that's how we'll be going over it today.
1: Genesis 39 Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had, except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, And she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me, but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her, to lie with her and to be with her, But it happened about this time, when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and fled and ran outside. And so it was, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened, when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me, and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened, as I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was, when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. we go into initial observations of this chapter, uh, a lot of interesting things. This, You know, Brian, this is a story that I think anyone who grows up among Christians hears multiple times. Right. You know, yeah. we're, we're taught this story as children, and as time goes on, you hear about it more and more, and mm-hmm. I've, I, frankly, I've heard some really good lessons uh, concerning this story.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What are some things in that, in that reading, Brian, that really just leaped out at you? Uh, one major thing, probably the main thing that I think stuck out to me as you were reading that is uh, how much it's emphasized that God was with Joseph. Because, you know, I think maybe that only needed to be said once, but I noticed it was said in verse 2, 3, 4, 5, 21, and 23. So that's, that's six times that it's emphasized that God was with Joseph and making everything he did prosper. So I think that's just that's really interesting because I don't know if that's been said so frequently about any one of the patriarchs up to this point so far. So it's just really interesting how mm. much that's emphasized. I've actually
1: have a sermon on Joseph that I preach that deals with this, like that goes through Joseph's story. Mm. But I I hold off on all those mm. things till the mm. end. Mm. You know, mm. I actually leave out that part of the story until the end because. You know the question is you know who was there? You know when was God there? when is God helping me out hmm. and, uh, and, and I think that's one of the things that, that you see there but um, you know Joseph being being taken down there, you know keep in mind this is a very similar situation uh, as what happened with his father to some degree uh, what happened with his father's father's father <laughs> in the sense that Abraham uh, was was told by God to leave everything he knew. Uh, Jacob ended up at certain times having to leave everything he knew Uh, and now Joseph is being forcibly put into the situation where it's not a matter of obedience to command but uh, he is being taken, he's being pulled away from everything he knows uh, at the behest of his wicked brothers Mm -hmm. and uh, so Potiphar who seems to be a pretty important fellow you know Buys Jacob from the Ishmaelite traders. Um, and, and, and but you know it, it again, you know, you you bringing up that aspect of that encouragement that the Lord was with Joseph. That seems to follow these bad things that are happening hmm. almost directly. It's sort of like a reminder directly to uh, to the, the reader that, that mm. this may look bad, but the Lord is is with Joseph.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Um, it, it, it is kind of interesting to me too that, and, and this is going to be an ongoing thing as we look at the story of Jacob. Uh, excuse me, Joseph. <laughs> That's easy easy for that to happen. Believe me. Um, as we look through the story of Joseph, I want to keep emphasizing that I don't think we really see anything supernatural happening here. Mm.
0: Um, yeah, not like you know, like a miracle or anything. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like it's like he saw that Joseph. Was things were prospering under Joseph's hand but it's not like God was causing mat- things to just materialize you know like Joseph I'm sure just seemed to be succeeding and prospering above everyone else in a way that he could see was beyond what should be happening normally well and I should say too that, that that's a natural extension
1: of what you see in chapter 37 mm. um, when, uh, when Jonathan Purse and I talked about that chapter we discussed the aspect that you know, can you fault Joseph for being a good kid? Mm. Uh, and the answer is no, you can't. And it's the same thing here to some degree that i i I simply believe he's doing the best job that he knows how because he loves the Lord. And he's working through this difficult situation, mm. and the Lord helping him in these ways. You know, the Lord uh, standing beside
0: him and, and helping him along in these ways. Yeah, um, and what it's, a great thing! It's interesting with that. You know, the idea of like being a good kid. You know, like when I was when I was younger, and I got some independence from my my home. You know, like I used that independence um, in a way that revealed evil in my heart, and I ended up really going off the deep end um and i think it's pretty interesting here that joseph is alone and he's away from his family and like a lot of really bad things have happened to him and yet he still has this determination to serve the lord and it's almost like what's being drawn out of joseph's heart is actually great goodness which is really amazing Hmm. um you know the
1: moment with the wife, and you know I, I have right. to take a step back. I, I think it's very easy for us to dismiss this temptation. Mm. Um, it's easy for us to have this image in our mind of a woman who maybe is older mm. and maybe who isn't quite as appealing or something to that effect. I, I don't know not that necessarily that's what that means that an older woman would not be appealing automatically, but <laughs> just trying to cover our bases here uh, but <laughs> <laughs> open mouth insert foot. Um, but but I, I do think we have to recognize that that it seems like Joseph is is indeed struggling with this. Mm. It is an ongoing thing, and it gets to a heated point where he knows that he
0: has to leave. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like I, something I didn't have never thought about before, except for what you were saying, was really making me think about this. In verse nine, you know, how could I do this great evil and sin against God? I think that shows that like. David has been, David, Joseph, where does David come from? <laughs> it's <laughs> open Joseph. Mouth, it's open Joseph. Mouth, insert foot. But, but, but I think it shows uh, Joseph had really been stirring on this, but in a positive way. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's been acknowledging in his own mind, like what it would mean for him to give in. And he's been acknowledging the impact of what it would mean for him to flatter this temptation because verse nine, I don't think, just comes out of nowhere. You know, it's like Joseph has obviously really been investing a lot of a lot of thought into this circumstance. Mm. And 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 that's you know another good lesson that maybe we'll touch
1: into in the application section. But he does impress upon her the fact that look at what your husband's given to me. Mm. Look at look at all the things that he's done for me. Look at where I am. Um, but he does not say, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against your husband?
0: Right. That's interesting.
1: You know, he, he, he was focused on God. And uh, so, but that continues, right? Until finally, uh, verse 12, he has to flee. There's a build-up to that point. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, there's a dangerous, uh, there's an element of danger in verse 11, right? None of the men of the house were inside. Mm. So... And, of course, uh, Potiphar's wife uh, turns this into a big, dramatic situation Mm -hmm. um, and essentially frames Joseph. um, And I I don't know if this was motivated by trying to get back at Joseph or just simply trying to to have trouble here, but, um, you know, there was the possibility for her to keep quiet about this and turn around, right? Right, right. I mean... She could have just let this die, <laughs> but it doesn't seem that she di- she did. And uh, so, and and of course, I, I think you, you recognize too that it, it kind of strikes me that every time she's talking to the ser- the other servants or she's talking to her husband, she refers to him as this the Hebrew servant, hmm. which is, I mean, I, I, I hesitate to say this, but I mean, it's almost sort of like a racial. Aspect of that, right? right. She's using his it's race really sounds to, that way. to yeah. demean him, right, and to, to speak down to him. So I think overall, this is a she comes across here as a very petty woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, of course, anybody can act that way. Uh,
0: what do you, What do you think about that, Bryant? Any thoughts? Uh, I just definitely definitely agree. I think there's a, just so many lessons to learn there. That and I think everyone recognizes that, but it doesn't diminish. The fact that there are still more lessons for us to learn, even like Stephen said, having heard this story and read this story so many times, it's just amazing how, like, coming to know God more, you come to know the heart of these things more and more and more, and it just constantly opens up just more, more significant lessons that, that are still in some ways the same lessons, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's just those lessons become more angled and vibrant and full, I guess, more impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it strikes me as
1: well that it doesn't seem like Joseph. Excuse me. It doesn't seem like Joseph is at any point refusing or defending himself in this. That's really
0: interesting. Yeah, he doesn't make a case for his innocence. That's mm-hmm. I never thought about that.
1: Doesn't try to defend himself. Yeah.
0: But uh, all all we see all we see is that
1: he's put into prison by Potiphar, and uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know what Potiphar was thinking there, uh, except you know. Obviously, he thinks that he's he's worthy of being put in prison over that. Um, but again, we see the Lord was with Joseph, showed him mercy, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison, um, and and his situation in the prison gets good as well uh, over time, you know, to some degree. That that the the master of the prison trusts
0: him and appreciates him on that level. I wonder if. Uh god's extending kindness to joseph could have potentially been invalidated if joseph had become bitter Mm -hmm. like what use would it have been for god to extend kindness if joseph was going to be openly bitter and frustrated and not have an open mind to even begin to recognize what was being extended you know so just think Mm -hmm. about like the clarity of joseph's heart to actually utilize that extension i think that's interesting wow
1: yeah No, I I agree entirely.
0: Well, um, you got
1: anything else there?
0: Well, it is interesting. Like, I think like in Genesis, God keeps trying to make clear marks of his favor. And it is interesting that everywhere Joseph is going here, God is putting him to be in charge, which of course, you know, we know is going to happen later as well. But it's almost like, nobody can stop god's purpose from being fulfilled here and i think that's really interesting like all these bad things are happening to joseph and yet he keeps ended up he keeps ending up exalted despite it all and it's interesting Mm -hmm.
1: So, in the theme section, we want to consider some overarching aspects of this story. You know, where does this story fit in with the whole of the Bible? Particularly, where does this story fit in in terms of the coming of the Messiah and the story of Jesus? Because that's exactly what the the Bible is all about. The Bible is the story of Jesus, the Messiah. And uh, you know, one of the things that we can see here, and again, I, I think we touched on this in Genesis 37, but you know, uh, Bryant, I'd like your thoughts on this because I talked to, to Jonathan Purse about this. Uh, Joseph, I think, is the closest that we get to the
0: character and action of Jesus mm. in the book of Genesis. Would you agree with that? Man, it's got to be one of the, yeah, the clearest. Like, outside of Abraham being willing to sacrifice his son, you know, this is about the clearest type in Genesis, I think. Mm. And because, I mean, there there are multiple things that we just mentioned how...
1: He went to prison seemingly with no defense for himself. Right, right. That's, yeah, that's, that's very, point. very similar. Yeah, it is. Um, very yeah. very big parallel there. That's interesting. Um, being sold into slavery, allowing himself to be used in this way. Um, again, it's the same exact thing as yeah. Jesus in the sense Ooh, that boy. Jesus Ooh, boy. Del- offered himself up to be taken in this way. He did not
0: resist. So... Here comes Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm making I'm making faces that indicate the gears are turning. So the dream makes the difference. Mm. So I'm going to talk about this in the lesson tonight that like the psalmists would oftentimes pull from God's past promises and past actions to maintain a present sense of hope mm. that can lead them to pursue God even when everything else around them is contradicting. That promise. So I wonder if in the flow of Genesis, Joseph is still convinced that the dreams he had received were true. Mm-hmm. And that even though his brother sold him into the pit, even though he's a slave now, that God is faithful. He knows that because of Abraham. He knows that because of Isaac. He knows that because of his father Jacob. And if God is faithful, then even though everything looks like it's not working out in the favor of that, that promise and that dream, Joseph is still persuaded in hope against hope. That, wow. that still maintains truth.
1: Yeah. No, I mean that's that's a it's a great thing to think about, you know, especially when you consider that you know Joseph is by himself. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so many he, reasons to give to, up. To, to yeah. parallel, parallel this too, I mean, I think another Old Testament type, of course, is Daniel. Mm. Daniel mm-hmm. is sold into Babylonian slavery. Not right, really right, even right. sold. That's He's great. just snatched away from his homeland. Mm. And how easy yeah. would it be in a place? the place of Babylon to completely and utterly abandoned, you know, it's, it doesn't even matter, you know, how I eat now. Right. But it does right. matter right. to right. him right. because he has the proper faith in God. That's such a good And thing. it's the same thing here. Well, you know, why is Joseph remembering God? Mm. He's in a place where mm. people aren't really going to care. Mm. And generally, I, I think, now, now let me, let me take a step back mm. here too, because mm. what have, what have we gotten? What image have we gotten of the Egyptian kings in Genesis. Mm. I think generally we've seen in Genesis positive yeah, uh, examples yeah, of really pharaoh positive, yeah. being shown as you know pharaoh with uh, Abraham and Sarai. Mm-hmm. you know, he knows that you know if she's your wife then she belongs to you. Right. And, and right. if I do something to try to make her mine, the Lord God, you know, he, right. I, I don't remember the exact terminology, but I mean he talks about God he talks about doing these uh, this this uh, evil against God. Um, I'm trying to think back to yeah, it must have been yeah, it must have been yeah, chapter twelve, yeah, all the way, way back to chapter twelve. Yeah, yeah. Um, didn't God even come in, in a dream to Pharaoh? Well, I think that was I think it was later on. With, oh, was that the, the Philistine? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so... Okay, so maybe maybe, maybe Pharaoh doesn't talk much about God explicitly, but he recognizes this is not something that's right. Right. He at least has some sort of moral compass here. Right. Whereas here, it almost seems like this woman is trying to say, we can do this sort of on the side. No one has to know about it. She wants things to be quiet. Uh, she wants to keep this quiet, it would seem. Um... But, you know,
0: there's tons of lessons here, but, you Mm. know, what you got? The the thing with the dreams, again, that's a type of Jesus as well, because the Old Testament was almost like that dream of exaltation. You know, and while he's on the cross, while he's fulfilling his ministry, you know, while people aren't understanding that he's the Messiah, and people are arguing with him, and, and the purpose that the Old Testament promises doesn't seem like it's being fulfilled by appearance, Jesus still chooses to believe that the character that the old testament said he needed to have the life he needed to live the places he needed he needed to go the people he needed to reach like he put his confidence that's how this dream of the messiah that god has already outlined in the old testament that's how this will be fulfilled Mm. and god will do that even when i face the cross and it seems like all of god's promises are being invalidated by it it's really interesting
1: that you bring that up, too, because, I mean, you see, like, Psalm 22, mm, right, and right. the images that are created there, mm. that, you know, that my, what is it, my skin clings to my bones, yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. things like that, it's just, right. I mean, is there an element where Jesus looked at those psalms and said, okay, that's the way it's right, going to be, right. yep, you know, yep, yep. And, and accepted that completely and fully.
0: Yeah, it's really that's, amazing. It's,
1: in- you know, so intense. No, it's really amazing.
0: And that, that assurance, I think, becomes a key for his resisting the woman, then. -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. it's like how can I work? How can I contradict completely, Mm. like what God is trying to do? Like it's almost like He's keeping the big picture in mind. It goes back to Hebrews 11. They 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 knew if they had to could go back to
1: that country, they would. Mm, But they're looking for a heavenly country. They're looking uh, for a city not made with hands, which is built by God. That's such a good point. It's the same thing here that He knows that this. The rewards that he got from Potiphar. Mm. Here's here's the here's the situation. Here's what mm. Potiphar's wife is is offering to him. Mm. You have all these things. You can have me as well, mm. right? Mm. But uh, you know, Joseph not only appreciated those mm. things he got was because of God, but also he was he was happy. He was content with where he was, mm. and he did not want to give in to the temptation for more than that. Mm.
0: So that reminds me of some Psalms, uh, like Psalm 7 uh, talks about, in Psalm 7 verse, verse 8 says, Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteous and my integrity that is in me. Uh, and in verse 10 says, My shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who has every day. The psalmist recognized that inherent within God's promise is that God's promise is that he will deliver a righteous people. God will deliver those who value the promise and seek him enough to seek, to seek his glory and his character and his person by reflecting that person. I wonder if Joseph, because he sees like the psalmist did, he saw God in a very personal way without like a written codified law of regulation, that Joseph could only know God in a personal way. And I wonder if knowing God in that way itself persuaded him that he needed to live in a way that was connected to the character of God, you know, that's, that's the thing that's so fascinating to me about these families, because there,
1: there must have been, uh, you know, I'm just imagining the scene of, of Jacob sitting down with his son, Joseph and telling Mm. him these stories, Mm. you know, right. Your grandfather, your great grandfather, they had a relationship with God, right. God made them these promises. And, you know, and, and, and again, we don't have that in the text per se, But I think we do, in Mm. the sense that, where did Joseph get this? I think Joseph got it from Jacob. Mm.
0: Yeah, Um, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of interesting parallels there. Mm. Mm. I wonder if when he was in the pit, if that wasn't a major turning point where he received the vision, and it seems like there was arrogance in the way he told it to his brothers, but the pit humbled him Mm. while he still held on to the truth of it. So, like, the truth of exaltation could be coupled with the humility of seeing his own unworthiness for it's that? It's very possible.
1: It's very possible, yeah. Because, I mean, I don't think that it stopped him. Right, right. You know, it didn't, it didn't crush his faith. It didn't right, crush right. His, his hopes concerning these
0: things. And I wonder if that's like Jesus, when he was in the flesh, if, like, the promise of who he really was and what he would receive if he fulfilled his mission... Just the, the honor and the worship, you know? Another right. another parallel there. Jesus was falsely accused mm,
1: and unrighteously wow. brought Ooh. to, quote-unquote, justice, which was mm. not justice, mm. but he offered himself up. He gave himself over to that
0: darkness so that he mm. he could be the salvation for humanity. That's so interesting. And that, just like Joseph, that became the triggering point for him to get where he needed to be for that mm-hmm. promise to be fulfilled. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Once, uh, you know, once Jesus is before the Sanhedrin Man. and you have the false witnesses coming in. Right. Again, uh, Isaiah 53, you know, he didn't speak. He didn't say anything like a lamb to the slaughter. Right. Um, wow. And so, again, he's locked into. And, and I think that happens in the garden when he's apprehended, you know, and, and he makes that statement. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's in Luke that. Uh, this must be to fulfill all scripture or something to that effect. I can't quite remember the reference there. But, uh, but yeah, very, very interesting things. And as we continue to follow the story of Joseph, it's just wonderful how we see that God allows him to prosper. And God is instrumental in having him prosper. But, again, right. no big supernatural events.
0: Mm-hmm. I it wonder, is
1: simply God's providence that is necessary for these things to happen.
0: I wonder if Joseph would have set his heart on that prosperity as he received it, if he would not have become bitter when he lost it, or thought that he lost God's favor when it went away. Mm. No, I, I have no doubt that he wouldn't have.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think God. I don't think God typically, at least at this point, does not help. He he doesn't really help inevitably. You know,
0: super bitter people. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, It just shows that, like, Joseph's heart was free from all forms of covetousness. You know, mm -hmm. both of the physical kind for possessions, but Mm -hmm. also for the fleshly kind of, you know, the woman, you know. (coughs) Excuse me. Bryant, you mentioned Samson
1: a couple of times yesterday. Mm. And just to kind of fit him into this as well, to some degree... Samson was treated pretty poorly mm. by the Philistines. Mm. Mm. Interesting. But again, yeah. you made the point yesterday uh, in our time together that uh, that even though he had this great strength, nothing changed. Mm. He didn't save Israel. Mm. He kills some Philistines, right? But that was pretty much it, right? Right. And if he had used that in a way mm. that glorify God, right? You know, and, and then you know the question of well, why did God help Samson? Because mm. again, that's how terrible mm. the nation is. Right? That's you know the best the you can point. find is is you know, and and this is a little goofy, but I've told you before, Samson is like the the, the Popeye of the mm. Old Testament. If he has a problem, <laughs> he's going to go beat somebody up, right? And 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 you know, the Lord hates violence, and so anyway, um, that that I, I just I bring that up in the sense that. That again, Joseph does not fight against this
0: uh, misuse of him, and you know. I wonder if like, arms. I wonder if he accepts that as well because he sees God in a very near way as well. That like, as he as he confidently holds to what he knows is of God and acts consistent with God, he can know that each step is leading him closer. Mm. So like, he can. He can live that way and think mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. because of the knowledge that, you know what, I don't need to defend myself because I know God is working yeah. and I know God is active and I know that God's favor is with me. So I'll just quietly like let him push me forward. Yeah, yeah. Just one thing is how I think the, this... <laughs> This might sound extreme, but I think the woman is a parallel to Satan for us. Mm-hmm. You know, that when we start serving God and when God's favor is actually with us, Satan sees that and it makes us desirable to him. But his desire for us is not pure and it's very corrupt. And it's something that will completely contradict God's promise. And you can see Satan's desire for Jesus. Exactly. His desire right. for yes.
1: people like, uh, what was it,
0: Moses? right. And yeah. Peter. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, he wants to use these people in, in evil and wicked ways. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So sa- Satan's looking for an opportunity. The psalmists talk a lot about how the the wicked conspire in shadowy places for the righteous, hiding nets and traps that they can fall into them. You know. But the psalmists trust that God sees and God knows that, and God will take care of that, just like He did with Joseph. You know. So I think we need to, we need to be aware that you know Satan does desire the righteous and works hard to um, try to get God's people to compromise by setting up traps of temptation in places that would most tempt us at the most opportune times. I think it's important Mm. to see that as like a connecting theme is how this woman treated Joseph is how Satan also treats us. Yeah, look for that in other places in Scripture. Yeah, absolutely. You'll see a uniform approach. Right, right, yep. Yeah, cuz that's like that's like Satan with Jesus again, like mm-hmm. Satan was looking for any nook or cranny of Jesus's heart that he could, you know, set a trap and Jesus in an unaware way, you know, compromise his conviction or behavior. You know, cuz like when Jesus was on the cross, Satan wasn't as visible as he was in the wilderness. And think about even Peter when Peter took Jesus aside and said, "Get when Peter told Jesus, this will not happen to you when Jesus had been describing what was about to happen to him in Jerusalem. And uh, I think that was a trap for Jesus by Satan that Jesus recognized. You know, it took the form of Peter trying to be just kind and convicted, but Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan!" And so we just really need to be aware of how subtle sometimes Satan can be to to bring us down from our position of faith and grace. Mm-hmm.
1: So with the uh, application section, of course, we want to pull this all together. What do we learn from it? What do we put into practice? What do we understand that this is where this fits in with my life? Uh, Do I literally have to be sold into slavery to do the right thing? Yes. Uh, (laughs) Ah, well, I see what you did there. Uh, But yeah, in in a way we do. But take it away, Brent. (laughs) I don't know why I said take it away. Uh, Take it away. Uh, no, what, 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 uh,
0: so so, what would you see as, like, some of the most important application aspects of this? Well, one thing that really stuck out to me, and this is a struggle because, like, so many things you notice and you try to talk about really affirmatively and confidently, but it's not actually, like, something that—it's it's, it's something I have to acknowledge I really struggle with, you know? Just to acknowledge something and affirm it in a strong way doesn't mean that, you know, it's something I really have a hold on, but I just really noticed how trustworthy Joseph was. And how hardworking he was, you know, because think about how the people were recognizing that God's favor was with Joseph in a way consistent with how he was handling his business. And they could trust everything to Joseph literally without having any concern at all for whatever he was doing, knowing and just having complete confidence in him handling it without needing to be micromanaged. And, you know, and I think that that comes with God's favor is... You know, God's favor should encourage us to be uh, extremely good stewards, very trustworthy with, with sensitive business and and able to work hard and, and have people to understand that when, when somebody who's associated with God is given a responsibility, that we ought to strive to do it in a way that demonstrates that it will be taken care of and above and beyond the base call of duty. You have any thoughts on that, Stephen? To...
1: Excel in God's service, mm. right? Mm. Uh, it requires that you at least assume the mindset that was thrust upon Joseph, right? That you don't think of yourself as someone super important. You think of of yourself as someone that can be used by the master, and right. Um, you know, one thing that kind of again to harken back to the second to last episode with Jonathan Purse when we talked about it. You know, being fit for the master's use is something that he really, you know, sort of hammered on in terms of Joseph. Here's Joseph. He's he's ready to go. God's God's going to use him. Right. And so the question is, am I in a place where God can use me? Mm. Uh, if I were presented, if I were put in these same situations, uh, it would be very, very difficult. Mm. Um, I can say very, very clearly that I don't think I would have the same level of commitment that Joseph has here. Um, and and I'll, I'll just honestly say, like, I've I've worked at jobs before that I know that I have not been you know I have not put to, put in the same effort that I should right, should right. be uh, the the statement is made in the New Testament you know a, as you work as a slave is to work for his master he's to work as if he's working for the Lord right yeah and that's applicable in terms of uh, in terms of employment mm. and that's applicable really in multiple situations uh, so it's important for us to recognize that uh, we need to beat down this. American concept of, you know, this is my right. This is what I'm expecting. Which really, when we talk about rights, we're just talking about privileges. Mm. I think. Right. I think it's just right. what I feel like I deserve. Right. Right. Um, when the reality is that, that uh, what do we deserve biblically? We mm. deserve death. We deserve nothing but misery and sorrow because we have uh, we have sinned against God. Mm. Because we have we have done our best to hurt the Creator. Right. And uh, and so, you know, and Satan gives us this other opportunity. You don't have to worry about that. Right. Just, just you know, just do this thing. And, yeah, things can be the same as they, they are. You know, you won't lose anything. Right. There, that, there's that sort of implied promise here by Potiphar's wife that, you know, everything's going to be okay. Uh, just lie with me. Mm. You know. Um, and so, let's not allow Satan to be our father. Let's, let's... Uh, mm. Let's seek to to know who the Father is and
0: to to mold ourselves after Him. Right, and I think like with that too, you know, application with Joseph toward the woman is understanding that Satan wants us to lose sight of the big picture of God's promises, and he wants to narrow our view on a moment and the pleasure that we can gain from the compromise made in a moment. And there's just, I think, if we want to really overcome sin, we've got to learn to keep the big picture in mind, and I think that happens really in meditation and prayer on the things that God has done and appreciating those things and how unworthy we are to receive them. And I think it kind of harkens to Titus chapter 2 where it talks about the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, but to live soberly and righteously in this present evil age. You know, so I think that's the idea is, you know, when we really understand what we've been given, how we've been given, what we've been given, what we've received and what we're still yet to receive and how we're to receive those things, that that's extraordinarily motivating to exercise a very unusual sense of Mm -hmm. self-control. Restraint. Right. Yes. Right.
1: Again, uh, I think that's one of the bigger themes of Genesis that you see all these faithful people, uh, using restraint and employing restraint. The times where you see men failing are when they fail to use restraint. Right. Right. And, uh, they fail to have this, this, uh, Aspect of self control. Right. There's no self control with this woman. Right. This woman is continually hounding Joseph, and then when uh, when it comes to a point, when it comes to a head, uh, she simply screams out about it and uh, takes this you know destroys this man's life. Right. You know, and and mm-hmm. gets rid of any That's evidence that she had this desire. Right. And uh, so, you know, really, we need to recognize that this is not even those worldly desires, you know, those temptations, they don't lead to
0: a good place, right? You know, right. they, they don't, they don't give us anything. Ultimately it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. That's the thing is it seems like Satan wants to make us feel like when we start making righteous decisions that legitimately are of the Lord, those decisions do put us in a vulnerable position. And we talked about that in the meeting. I think uh, yesterday that mm-hmm. God's commands purposely put us in a vulnerable position And Satan wants to take advantage of that to make it seem like we've done something wrong by choosing to do what's right. And oftentimes, like, we'll feel like we're being punished for making the right decision. And those are the most important times to remember that God's promise still holds true. You know, we can have confidence that if we've done what is right, God will exalt us in the right time. We just need to keep humbling ourselves. But I think that's just a very important lesson, just like Jesus on the cross, Jesus was doing what was right and Satan was trying to punish Jesus as much as he possibly could to get him to compromise the promise of God and his faith in that promise. And so I just want to encourage you if you're listening and I need the encouragement as well that, you know, temporal troubles, temporal troubles are a temporary weight that is is light compared to the eternal weight of glory that far exceeds all comparison. Mm. Colossians 3.23, yeah. whatever you do, do it heartily as to the
1: Lord and not to men. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing is said here about Potiphar mistreating Joseph, but even if he had, mm. right, I yeah. feel like Joseph would have had the mindset to keep doing the right, right. thing. That's right. Yeah. Um, so just some important things for us to think about and consider. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Do you have anything else to share about that? Um, anything else you wanted to touch on?
0: I think one thing is how, uh, joseph received assurance that god was working towards the fulfillment of promises previously made and i think like if you've been baptized for the remission of your sins the promise in that is that god at the point of salvation gives the holy spirit of promise as a pledge of god's ability and desire and commitment to complete his promise and i think reflecting back and even looking at how god still is giving us life even when we struggle there are always ways to see god's favor as we struggle and as we suffer and, and even suffer the loss of things that hold our affection, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's possessions or health, comforts, whatever it is, there's always, if, if we if we have ever obeyed the gospel, there's always reason to be encouraged to see that there's hope. And I think God gave Joseph that in, in extraordinary ways.
1: It's interesting too, because I mean, sometimes it feels all relative right you can't know what i'm going through you can't know what i'm dealing with this is horrible well i think there are probably people in this world that have suffered as much as joseph has or had i don't think there's anybody in this world that suffered as much as jesus did Mm,
0: that's a really good point yeah
1: um you know and you can look at these individual examples and you probably could find people that have been sold into slavery i mean slavery exists today you look at situations in syria and other countries where slavery is very much a real thing uh it's not like we have as a world have defeated slavery but the question is not uh whether slavery exists or not the question is what am i going to do with the heart and the soul that god has given me mm-hmm. uh, it's not about my temporary situation and uh, while we should do our best to try to improve those things and do the best that we can to avoid uh, the evils that we find in the world, of course, uh, the biggest evil is sin. And so I think that's what Joseph was focused on. He wasn't trying to be free from the yoke of slavery. He was trying to, he was trying to serve the Lord. He was trying to serve God and be a tool useful for him. And that continues on even in the time, uh, even in his, his prison sentence. And so, uh, Lord willing, next time we'll, we'll look further into that. Did Sounds you have any, anything else? Nope. Well, thank you so much for listening today. We hope it was useful for you. Um, Lord willing, next time we'll get into Genesis chapter 40. I
2: think that's right. right yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, until that time, study well and be lights to God's glory.